Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. All right, well, good morning. How are we this morning? Yeah, good. It is good to see you. How many of you guys had a chance to get away for spring break? Okay, there was a lot more people who were not here last week and the week before than like five of you. Either that or something went terribly wrong. Did I say something? No, well, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Uh, it's great to be with you. For those of you worshiping online, we're, we're certainly thrilled that you have chosen to worship with us this morning as we worship Jesus. Man, great, great worship. Thank you guys for leading us this morning. Now, about six years ago, Jordan and I were trying to discern where in the world God was going to be leading us, where was he going to be taking us. We knew that our season at the church that we were serving was, was coming to an end. And so we had been praying, okay, God, where are you taking us? And I remember in interviews, even here with First Baptist Belton for the college job, um, a buddy of mine said, hey, Logan, where do you think you're going to land? And I said, honestly, I think I'm going to land at First Baptist Belton. And he was like, oh, man, that's awesome. That's where the University of Mary Hardin Baylor is. And I remember thinking, gosh, what is UMHB? What is University of Mary Hardin Baylor? <laughs> I, shame on me. I did not know. I did not know. Well, since that time we've gotten here, we've... We've adopted the university as our own. We love it. We love to participate in all the things. That if, if you go to sporting events, you're probably going to see us there because we love it. We've gotten to know a lot of you who, who work there and serve there, and, and, and many of you have become our closest friends. And so it's, quite frankly, the community of UMHB has kind of become our own community, even though we didn't go there. And so uh, one of my favorite things about Mary Harden Baylor is the strong alumni support. So, uh, which is fitting because we really enjoyed the week of homecoming. Homecoming is an incredible event at UMH, on UMHB's campus. You've got all generations uh, who have come and gone, who all come together for a homecoming celebration, right? And the whole point of homecoming is to celebrate the one thing that you have in common, which is the university. And so it's amazing to me how many generations will come together to celebrate their love for the school. Now, what you're going to see this morning is you're going to see a homecoming celebration in Jerusalem, okay? So what's taking place here in chapter 12 of Nehemiah is you have all of the generations coming together to celebrate what they have in common. And so what you're going to find is in chapters 12, or in chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, you have a group of people who actually came with, with Ezra when they came to rebuild the temple. And so you've got a whole group of people who have come, who, who have come together with, with Ezra, which most commentators say happened about a century before Nehemiah ever shows up in Jerusalem. So you have that group of people coming. You've got another group of people coming who have shown up kind of in the midst of, uh, right in the between era, between, you, between Ezra and then Nehemiah. And then you have Nehemiah's contemporaries who show up. And so you have all of the people of Israel all coming together. And you see that in chapters, chapter 12, verses 12 through 21. So you have all of these people who are coming together, again, to celebrate what they have in common, their love for the Lord and the fact that they had come together to rebuild the wall. And so this morning is the dedication of that wall, and it's a worship service. And so that's the context that you and I find ourselves in 
this morning. And so if you have a Bible, if you haven't already done so, go ahead and turn there to Nehemiah chapter 12. So Nehemiah chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning, a homecoming celebration. Okay, beginning in verse 27, this is where we're going to start. Verse 27, this is the word of the Lord. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all of their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication, hear this, with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, with harps, and lyres. I want you to picture this. All of these generations all coming together who see the world from vastly different perspectives all coming together to do what? To worship the Lord, to dedicate the wall. And so you have these groups of people who span, uh, who span the wall, who are standing up on the wall, who are proclaiming and worshiping the Lord. And it's all generations. It's a homecoming celebration. And it, guess what it's marked by? Gladness, thanksgiving, and with singing. And so as I was reading the text, I couldn't help but think of you and me. I couldn't help but think, I'm thinking about this worship service. I, I can't help but think of you and me. Many of you in this room have been asking the question, well, what in the world are we gonna do with worship? What in the world are we gonna do with worship? And as we continue with, uh, are we gonna continue with one service? And I tell you for quite some time, I wanna share with you what God has been doing in my heart. So for a while now, before I ever even came here, before I was ever even a pastor, there was something that God had, had put deep, deep, deep within my gut. And that was that God's people, both universal and local, needed to be together. We needed to be together, right? I think we can, if, if you span the history of the church, um, there has been a lot of division within the church. But guess what? We're all one body of the one Lord who is Jesus. And Christ is not divided, so then how can his body be divided? And so deep within my gut was this desire to see a church come together, all generations, everybody, all coming together to worship the one Lord. And so that's what God had placed heavily on my heart. Now, when God called me here to be the pastor of this church, I had about a two-week window where I, man, my feet hit the pavement. And I met with as many of you in this room as I could possibly meet with. And, and here was my question. Hey, tell me your heartbeat for First Baptist Belton. What, do you, what is our greatest need? If, if, you were to, if you were to be asked the question, what is our greatest need? What is your greatest hope for our church? What would it be? And you know what almost everybody said? Somebody said all in. <laughs> yes. But they said, hey, let's be all together. We need to be all together. We need to be in one room where all generations are represented. And so it was this beautiful moment where I was questioning, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And here it was, all of these people telling me exactly what God wanted us to do. And so if you've ever wondered, man, Logan just showed up and he just moved us to one service, that is not true. You moved us to one service. I just pulled the trigger on it. Because I think that's what God, I think that's what God was doing in and amidst our congregation. Now, here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. There was something in my gut that said, oh my goodness, this is never going to work. It's too hard to have young and old all in the same room because here's what ends up happening, right? If we don't go to one style with stylistic preferences, and if we don't do the other stylistic preferences, here's what ends up happening. Everybody's upset, and then we're all mad at each other. And so there was this 
this thing in my gut of like, God, I, I don't know what to do. You're gonna, be, you're gonna have to be the one who brings us together. You're gonna, be, you're gonna have to be the one that does the work. And so here's what I think is important. Here's what I think was important. God reminded me, okay, I think this is important. God reminded me of what he had done in Jerusalem. In just 52 days, y'all, 52 days, he used a scattered, worn out group of people all to come together. He united the people and they built the wall in just 52 days. And then I was reminded that there is nothing that is impossible with our God. Amen. There is absolutely nothing that is impossible with our God. And so that being said, if you're wondering, okay, well, Logan, what are you telling me? I'm going to be as clear as day on this, okay? Hopefully. I'm going to be as clear as I possibly know how to be. Where we're headed with the worship ministry of our church is that we are moving to a multi-generational approach to worship. A multi-generational approach to worship that unites all generations. It's not about old. It's not about young. It's about all. It's about all. And so where we're headed is we are moving to a multi-generational style of worship where everybody's included. All generations are included so that all generations may know, serve, and share Jesus. Okay? And here's what that means. Here's what that means for you. That means that nobody gets left behind. Hear me say that. Hear me say that. Don't leave this room and say, Logan doesn't love old people. Logan doesn't love young people. I love all people. That's why nobody gets left behind. We're going to move forward together, okay? That's important, together. We're going to be together. And so here's what I want to do. I got three points for you on the reason why we need to move that direction, okay? Three points. For those of you taking notes, point number one, I want you to see this. The church is an embassy of heaven. The reason why we're going to move to a multi-generational approach to worship is because the church is an embassy of heaven. So the universal and the local church on this earth is an embassy of heaven. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he wrote this in chapter 3, verse 20. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from that citizenship, from that location, from there, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote this in a response to, to, to the thought that we ought to be different, that we ought to live different than the surrounding world and the surrounding culture, that we ought to re represent our true home, not our earthly home. We need to represent our true home, where our citizenship is, and that is in Christ's kingdom, the kingdom that's coming. Now, Paul would also write in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 5, verse 17 and 20. It's a familiar verse to, to many of you, but this is what he says. He says, for all who are in Christ, he is a new creation. He or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Paul says, all of this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, hear this, we are ambassadors for Christ. It is God who is making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And so in this passage, 
Paul makes it clear as day that if we have placed our faith and trust in him, our citizenship is no longer of this earth, no longer of this world, but it is of eternity. It is in heaven. That's where our citizenship is. And we are a new creation. We've been given new citizenship. We're no longer a part of this world, but we are of the one to come. But not only that, we are ambassadors of the world to come. We're ambassadors of the kingdom that's coming. So simply put, we are an embassy. We are an embassy of this new kingdom. Now, anyone, let me question here, anyone know what the mission statement of the U.S. Embassy is? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, good. I'm glad you didn't because I got it. (laughs) According to the usembassy.gov, here's the mission statement for the United States Embassy. Okay? The mission of the United States Embassy is to advance the interests of the United States and to serve and to protect U.S. citizens. That's helpful. In other words, the U.S. embassies on this earth are scattered all over the world. They're created to represent the U.S. on foreign soil and to protect and to care for her citizens. So that's the goal of the U.S. embassy. Now, in the same way, to be an embassy of the kingdom means that you and I are left on this earth to represent the interests of the kingdom of God on this earth and then to provide refuge for all of her citizens. So that's the citizens that have said yes to Jesus now, but that's also for the future citizens that God is actively at work saving and reconciling to himself. You and I are put on this earth to represent him and his interests. That means I'm not here to represent my interests We're not here to represent your interests. We're here to represent God's interests on this earth. And by doing so, we offer refuge to God's citizens of the kingdom of heaven and also those who will come to know Christ. And so now you may be asking yourself a really good question. I hope you are. Okay, Logan, we're an embassy. The church is an embassy, but what on earth does that have anything to do with music? What does that have anything to do with worship? Glad you asked. It has everything to do with worship. Here's the reason, our worship, our worship, like everything else that we do as the church, ought to reflect and represent that which is happening in heaven, okay? That leads me to point number two. Point number two is this, our worship must reflect that which is happening in heaven. The worship that takes place in this room ought to represent what's happening in heaven. Our worship ought to reflect our eternal homecoming celebration. And so here's what I want to do. I want you to flip over to the end of your book, the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Yes, I said Revelation. Get there. Revelation. In order to see what we need to be doing, we need to look at the end, and we need to see what God has in store for worship, okay? In chapters 4 through 7, here's what happens. This is John's vision. Jesus' vision given to John, and it deals with the idea of worship. Okay, so in chapter 5, verse 5, here's what the text says. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, don't get caught up on the scroll and the seven seals. We're not going there today, okay? Here's what's important. Christ has fully conquered sin and death. And all of his redeemed people are gathering around his throne. And here's what the text is going to say in verse 9. That they sang a new song. 
Here's what that song was. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Speaking of Jesus. For you, Jesus, were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And I want you to hear this. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Here's the point. Jesus unites us together in worship. It is him and him alone that unites us together in worship. It is his blood, not your blood, not my blood, not anybody else's blood. It is Jesus's blood that unites us. It is him who ransomed us. It is him who has saved us. And it is again, Jesus who unites us as a kingdom of priests. So that means that all of us in this room who have said yes to Jesus, who said, yes, I'm gonna, I believe in you with all my heart, Jesus, that you have gone to the cross for me, you have paid my debt on the cross, that you were buried and you were raised again to, to newness of life. For everyone who has said yes to that, I believe that, then you, that means you, we're speaking of you in this room. In the words of a good friend of mine, he wrote this. He said that the gathered, assembled, and congregated church is the kingdom of heaven made visible on planet earth. Isn't that good? The gathered scattered, or the gathered, assembled, and congregated church in the church is the kingdom of heaven made visible on planet earth. It is a picture to all of the world of the kingdom of heaven. And hear this, it's an invitation for all of those to come and find refuge in a kingdom that is unlike anything else that you'll find on this earth. We are representatives of that kingdom. And so our worship ought to reflect that Truth, and here's what that looks like. In Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, look there. The text says that after this, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, all standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And the angels who were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Church, this is what worship ought to look like. Every week ought to be a homecoming celebration where we all show up into this room and we worship the one who unites all of us. That's what we're here to do. We're here to worship the risen Jesus and him and him alone. It looks like every tribe, every language, every color, all ages, both old and young, everyone, all of us in one room. It ought to be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic worship service where we all come and encounter the living God. That's what we're here to do. That's what God's desire is for us, is for us to come and to worship him and to him, him alone. And, and listen, I can tell you this. There's gonna be a day come where we're all gonna be gathered around the throne. All of us who have said yes to him, we're gonna be gathered around the throne of Christ. We're gonna enter into eternity and we're gonna stand there before him. And I can promise you this. There's not gonna be a single person on that day who's gonna be upset about the style of music. I just, I'm, there's, you're not gonna be upset about it. 
you won't be upset about whether or not it was traditional or contemporary. I mean, are we, really, are we gonna look at Jesus and go, oh, well, this just doesn't really fit my taste. I'm sorry, you, you're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. None of us are gonna do that. We're gonna do exactly what Revelation 7 says. We are gonna fall down on our knees and we are gonna say, worthy, worthy are you, Lord God Almighty. That's what we're gonna do. And so if we're gonna be an embassy of what's happening in heaven, then you and I have to catch that vision today. Right, Mark said it well in his, his intro, where two or three are gathered or more are gathered. There I am. If God's presence is here, why in the world do we care about a style of music? I'm speechless. Like, listen, I, I love you, and so every week I want to tell you the truth. There is something deeply wrong with our hearts. Listen, just, just bear with me. There's something deeply wrong with our hearts if we can't worship Jesus based on a style of music. There are far too many churches who've divided over this nonsense. We're not gonna be one of those. We need to be a church who's serious about the living Jesus. And for my goodness, don't be a church who lets that come between all of us. Shame on us if we go that route. On that day when we stand in the presence of Jesus, there's not gonna be a single one of us not singing. There's not gonna be a single one of us worried about what somebody else is doing in the room or what building that we're in or what color the carpet is or whether we have stained glass windows or not. You won't care and we shouldn't care today because we're here to worship Jesus. We're here to worship him. The fact that what Paul says is him and him crucified it's him who unites us. It's him who's worthy of our praise. It's him who's worthy of our worship. Not anything else. Nothing. Listen, over the last couple of decades, late 90s, 2000s, they're known as the worship wars. Many of you have probably lived through those. Many churches have split over contemporary and traditional and all of this stuff. And listen, my church that I grew up in was caught right in the middle of it. I was a, I was a senior in high school. And on graduation Sunday, I walked the stage and the pastor skipped me because my grandparents and some of the things that some of the, our older generation had said about him, and I represented that. No, 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 there's no reason to awe. Because that taught me what I'm teaching you here today. That taught me what I'm teaching you here today. There's many people who are concerned about a young pastor. We're gonna go contemporary and our older generation's gonna get left behind. Listen, you're not gonna get left behind. The only way you get left behind is if you choose to be left behind. I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna fight for us because all matter in this room. You're all created in the image of God. You all have value and dignity before a holy God. Who am I to choose whether you have value or not? Okay? I love you. I want us to stay together. I want us to be with one another. I don't want us to get caught in the crossfire of a generation going this way and a generation going that way. I want us to mimic what you see in Jerusalem where all generations came together. Because you know what happens when we do that? The whole community goes, there's something different about those people. 
There's something different about them because when everybody else is dividing and you're doing a traditional service and a contemporary service and, and, and nobody talks with one another and you've got a, a young generation who never sees the old generation and the old generation who never sees the young generation. Listen, I'm telling you, you're divided. And we don't need to be. We need to be one people, one body, one, one group of people worshiping the one Jesus. And so, yes, that might look different. Yes, it, it's going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be hard. There's going to be there's going to be Sundays where they play music that I don't I don't love. But you know what? It doesn't matter because Christ is worthy of my worship anyway. There's going to be some Sundays where where we play music that you might not like. You know what? That's okay. Because somebody in the in the room is worshiping. When we are so caught up in our stylistic preferences, we miss out on the true nature of the church. And hear this, in the subject of the one we're there to worship. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. What I've observed over the years is that churches have split because they have failed to understand what makes the church the church. It's the people. It's the people. And it's Christ, crucified, who unites us all together. Let's not be that church. Let's not be a church who allows stylistic preferences to divide us. Let's have the same heart, the same mind. Let's move forward together. Because here's what happens, okay? When we catch God's vision for worship, and I believe this is true, when you catch God's vision for worship, here's what happens. You ready? Point number three, worship becomes contagious. Worship becomes contagious. If you look back in Nehemiah chapter 12, you'll see it. Commentators unanimously agree, okay, that the people who were gathered there on that day to dedicate the wall to worship together represented three distinct generations. Again, the generation that came with Ezra, it's probably their children. Generation who came in the in-between, and then you have the generation who came with Nehemiah, the young guy. All together, all in one vicinity, okay? And look what happens in verse 43. The text says that they offered great sacrifices on the day and on that day and they rejoiced for God made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced and hear this and the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. Man. The people gathered that day from all sorts of sorts of, of walks of life and experiences. Chances are like many of us in the room, they see the world completely different. There's a good chance that you and I all see the world completely different. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay, because that does not mean that we cannot be united, united in the one thing that truly matters. And I want you to see what ends up happening. Here's who does the work. It's God. God does the work. The text says, on that day, for God made them rejoice with great joy. Listen, when we submit ourselves over to him, we submit our lives over to God and say, God, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. I know this could be frustrating. I know this could be uh, not exactly what I would have in mind for the church, but you know what? I'm gonna submit those preferences over to God. You know what God's gonna do? God's gonna meet us there because we're sacrificing for the worship of his name. And it's there where God does something incredibly special. See, it's God who brings us together. It's God who causes joy to overflow in and through us. And the result of that is the latter half of verse 43. Their joy was heard from far away. Listen, y'all, that, that is my heart for our church. That's my heart for us, right? That as we gather weekly, that the entire community is impacted. 
Listen, I'm all about impact. I want First Baptist Belton to make a dent in this community. I want us to impact the community, that our joy is a representation of eternal joy and the entire community hears it and they're drawn to it. And hear this, this is my dream. You know what my dream is for our church? When people walk into these walls, they come in here, they see the way you love one another, they see the way you sing, they see the way you gather together. Here's what I want them to think. Oh goodness, is this what heaven's like? Is, man, by the way that they love people, by the way that they sing and they care for one another and they serve the community, is this, is this just a glimpse of what heaven's like? I want you to think about that. How might that transform a community? When we're not bickering about all the things that churches bicker about and complain about all the things that churches complain about, but we come together and we worship the risen Jesus and we're transformed and our transformation inside out begins to transform an entire community and that community begins to transform a county and that county begins to transform a, a state and that state begins to transform an entire world. Did you know that we're right in the heart of Texas? Did you know that? Well, when I took anatomy class, I learned that the heart is pretty crucial to, to our body functioning. And if blood's not pumping to the outer ends of our community, we've got a problem. And so why would it not be true of us if we're in the heart of Texas? Why couldn't we in Belton, Texas at 506 North Main Street not influence our community, our state to the ends of the world? Well, I think we can. I think we can, but we gotta catch God's vision for that. We gotta catch God's vision for that, okay? All right, well, worship team, I'm gonna invite you guys to come on up as we spend some time in prayer together. Listen, this morning we're gonna do a little bit different. I want us to just spend time with God. I just wanna spend time with God, okay? So every, every eye closed, every head bowed. I want God to do some heart surgery on us. I want God to do some heart surgery on me. God, we all have preferences. We all have things that we like. We all have things that we dislike. And God, while those things aren't wrong, oftentimes those preferences distract us from the opportunity that we have to worship you. So in this time, Lord, I pray that you would just work on our hearts. In the stillness and the quietness of this moment, God, would you just work on our hearts God, open our hearts to see your vision. God, help us to be that embassy in heaven, that Revelation chapter seven, verse nine kind of people who come to you and worship you and they're not worried about all, all the stuff. They're, worship, they're worried about you. God, help us this morning. Help us to lay it all at your feet. We lay ourselves, our wants, our desires, Lord, let us lay that at your cross, at the foot of the cross. 
God, I'm reminded of what you, of what Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but your will. God, that's what we pray for our church. God, we just want your will. Not a pastor's will, not the elder's will, not the deacon's will, not committee's will, not our church's will, not our individual will. God, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, I pray that we would just confess whatever it is that we need to confess. And God, it would be through that confession that you would align our hearts and our minds with you. Father, it's you who do the, does the work. And God, I know that there's no way we do this apart from you, which is exactly why I think we need to do it. So Father, come and do something incredible in the lives of our membership of this family. Turn our hearts to you. Change us. God, let us be a church who because of our joy transforms a community, makes an impact in this community that all may come and say, man, this is an embassy. This is this place. I, I wanna have my citizenship here. God, I pray that our worship would lead people to Jesus, not distract folks away from him. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.